you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to Revelation 21. Preaching about heaven. Some kind of wild dream, or is it a certain promise from God's Word? That's what our, we already know the answer, of course. Let's go home then, right? <laughs> Revelation 21. Let's pick it up tonight in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There should be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And here's the why. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful, I'm sorry, are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I don't know about you, but I, I never go tired of reading that. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. And, of course, it's, it, it is the Word of God, and God cannot lie. And he sort of, he sort of uh, I think, reemphasizes that fact when he says, there in verse 5, these words are true and faithful. So what we're speaking about in this series is not a far-fetched dream. It is a reality. Heaven is real. And God prepared it for people like you and I who are born again. And we can't overemphasize this. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place. But we have to understand this prepared place is for prepared people. Those who have been born again. We've covered a few things already. We talked about the New Jerusalem, which is in fact going to be the new home of God. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the home of God is among his people? I, I just can't, I can't imagine. He is going to tabernacle with us a time when God is going to be with us and it's going to, long, it's going to, ha, it's going to happen soon. It's going to last for eternity, forever and ever. We spoke a little bit about eternity last week, and we know that we are wrapped up in time. How does God view time? He transcends us. It doesn't matter. A thousand years are what to God? One day. And that's just trying to illustrate a little bit that time doesn't matter to God. He's beyond time. He's eternal. But we're, we are wrapped up in it. Pam mentioned on the way to church 
this afternoon, this evening. We went from summer to winter just almost overnight. We wrapped up in seasons of the year. Work hours, children and grandchildren growing up, and so many things in our lives. And for most of us, uh, we know there are only 24 hours in a day, but normally what do we want? More. We want more time. We desire things that we would like to see happen in our time on earth. But we also have to understand, because of the Word of God, we know this to be a true, and the fact that we are groaning, we read it a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 8, we know that we are not meant to be here forever. Aren't you glad? We often forget that in the garden, once Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden. And how many know that was an act of grace? Because there was a tree in the garden called the tree of life. And had Adam and Eve entered that tree, they would have lived forever in this awful state. Condition. But one thing I do know, should God tarry, and I go by the way of the grave or by the rapture, can I use that word rapture, the taking away, one thing I know for sure, I'll spend somewhere in eternity. And I'm glad that over Forty years ago, I know my my numbers. Over 40 years ago, God spoke to my heart, and I decided then I want to spend eternity with him in heaven. And that's what we're preaching about again tonight. And I think as, as we live for Christ, And by the way, I mentioned this morning, it is good here. It's good, but it's not my best life. That's yet to come. But I think it's important that we need to cultivate that eternity mindset now so we can live in the moment that God has blessed us with and leave this world with no regrets. Tonight I want to go to verse 4 of Revelation 21 and begin there and look at what won't be there. The Bible says God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, and here's the why, because the former things are passed away. We... uh, We talk often about Revelation and other prophetic scriptures. What is literal? What is symbolic? And uh, we go back and forth, and I I try to keep a good spirit about that. I mean, you know, even when that person is wrong or whatever, that we we can go back and forth. But whatever heaven is, 
I want to tell you, the joy of living in the presence of God cannot be described. It is indescribable. The Bible says that there'll be no more tears. No more tears in heaven. Now, by the way, I want to interject something here. If there are any tears, there'll be tears of joy. But there'll be no tears of sorrow. There'll be no more death. The Bible says there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying or pain. And the reason that's going to be that way is because everything that causes pain in this life, everything that causes sadness in this life, Everything that causes suffering in this life is going to be taken away. Amen. And we can't imagine a life like that. Or if we are, we have to imagine it. We've never lived it here on this earth. All sin that has been the source of all sorrow is going to be gone. The former things are past away. You remember the time in Genesis where Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say? And then Satan began to point the finger at God and he said, God knows that you don't know the things he knows and you can. How many know that Adam and Eve wish they didn't know that? There's going to come a time God's going to reverse that. All sorrow is going to be gone. But notice what it says in verse 4. It says, God shall wipe away. So God himself is going to wipe away those tears. And I want to tell you, folks, they're never coming back again. Amen. We will never experience that kind of sadness ever for eternity. Isaiah had a vision of that future day, Isaiah 35.10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now think about that. That hasn't happened yet. It's going to one day. God's going to wipe away every tear. Paul, I don't have the verses in our notes tonight, but Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, remind us that our bodies are going to be transformed. And I was reading through that just a few minutes ago just to refresh my memory. And it dawned on me Paul says our physical bodies are going to die. And read it for yourself. They're in 1 Corinthians 15. But he also says those physical bodies are going to be raised again. So we're not going to be spirits sitting around on clouds watching the angels go by. We're going to have bodies in heaven, but they'll be transformed. 
And Paul says in Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to die with broken bodies, be raised with new bodies. What a promise. We are going to be transformed. No sadness, no sorrow. Because in that process, our bodies are going to be made perfect again. Isn't that good? That's part of what heaven is going to be like. 1 John 3, 2, you know the verse. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Aren't you glad for that? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, meaning Christ, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to be just like him. Now please understand, we mentioned this morning, sin cannot be where God is. In fact, the scripture asks the question, who can stand before God? Only those who have been more than that blood will be saying about tonight, the blood of Jesus Christ. But we need to realize there can be absolutely no evil in God's glorious presence. And because of that, that's why the former things have got to pass away. They have got to be gone. Because this old order that John is referring to here in Revelation... This old order is a place where Satan ran free, and he runs free today. This old former way, this order of life, is a place where sin is rampant. But understand, God's going to replace this old order. It'll be a brand new order. It'll be the order of God. The holy city, we talked about that a few weeks ago. The new Jerusalem. The Bible describes it as a place where God will wipe every tear from our eyes. I want to go there. Amen. Uh, Brother Mike Grove texted me this morning, and do pray for him. He's not doing well. But I had hoped to be able to go on vacation this week down to Gatlinburg. So he texted me and told me he wasn't feeling well, wouldn't be here today. He said, we were hoping to go to God's mountain. So I texted him back and I said, well, I hope you enjoy your time. I'm not sure it's God's mountain. So he texted me back. He said, well, he made it. I'm going to enjoy it. So anyway, but the fact of the matter is I want to go to God's city, this new Jerusalem, where God is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Now think about this. Forevermore, for all of eternity, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There won't be any more sorrow. There won't be any more crying. And folks, i got to tell you, that is a wonderful truth from God's Word. A totally brand new place like we've never lived in before. And that reminds me of something so important. No matter what, I, what I'm facing in life, 
no matter what I might be going through, I need to understand it is not the last word. It is not the last word. God has written the final chapter. Not Satan. God has written the final chapter. And it's about true fulfillment. It's about eternal joy for those who love Him. Aren't you glad you love Him tonight? Amen. I uh, I admit tonight that and I think you'll agree. We don't know as much as we might like to know. But isn't, enough, isn't it enough for us to know that eternity with God is more wonderful. Think about this. More wonderful than we could ever imagine. Try as hard as you can. We cannot imagine that. And so each day of our life, as we face uncertainties, we can be encouraged from the promise of eternal life with God forever and ever. And I want to take, I want you tonight to take that promise of hope. Take it and use it like a blanket. And I want to tell you, It'll get you through more days than you can imagine. There's a better life waiting for me. Eternity with Jesus Christ, my Lord. We sing the hymn once in a while, what a day that will be. We can't imagine. What a glorious day it's going to be when there'll be no more pain. What a glorious day it's going to be when there'll be no more sickness. And what a glorious day it's going to be when there'll be no more tears to cry. Because there'll be no reason to cry tears of sorrow. What a day that's going to be when we no longer have to say goodbye to our loved ones. What a day that's going to be when we never get that report from the doctor that's not too good. All the pain we've experienced from one loss to another will be no more. None at all. No more cancer. No more debilitating disease. No more mental illness. And no more bearing the young. And what a glorious hope that we have in Christ. A glorious hope knowing knowing that tears and pain and sorrow have an expiration date. Isn't that good? They're going to be gone forever. So those are some things that won't be there. The Bible says all things are going to be new. Now think about that. All things are going to be, look at verse 5, Revelation 21. 
And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, look, in other words, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. We read verse 3 last week as part of our text. But in verse 3, the Bible says there was a great voice that spoke. And most scholars believe that was probably not God, but an angel. But in verse 5, we know who's speaking here. In verse 5, this time when it speaks, it's God himself. Because God is the one who is seated on the throne, and he is the one who spoke. And what's interesting, you know, we think about the previous verse, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more tears, no more death, no more crying. And, and we, we, we have trouble comprehending that, wrapping our mind around that. But now God speaks, and his words begin to describe the reality of what's going to happen. God says it's going to happen because I'm making everything new. Amen. All things new. We know that God is a creator. And the Bible itself begins with a majestic story of God creating the universe. So it begins with God creating the universe. And the Bible ends, it concludes with God creating a new heaven and a new earth. It's coming full circle. A new heaven. And a new earth. And I don't know about you, but that is a tremendous hope and encouragement of my life. God's preparing a place. Here's what I like about this. God says to John, I want you to write it down. I'm telling you, John, what I'm doing John, I'm making all things new. I'm letting you know, John, what my plan is, what I am doing. (laughs) And God says, John, I want you to write this down so believers throughout the ages waiting this glorious future can be encouraged to know that these words are faithful and they're true. Write it down, John. He that sat on the throne said. God said. God spoke. And because God has spoken. Now don't miss this. Because God has spoken. We can know the absolute certainty of the events that are going to happen one day. They are going to occur. God's word never fails, and God's word never changes. Praise his holy name. All things are new. And then in verse 20, on verse 6, it is done. Look what it says. And he, God, said unto me, John, It is done. Wow. (laughs) I am Alpha 
and omega, beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. In Genesis chapter 2, we sort of have an overview of the creation account. And the Bible says this, beginning in verse 1, down to verse 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God himself blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. John chapter 16. Verse, I'm sorry, John 19, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up the ghost. I find it kind of interesting. The same God who in Genesis said. His work was finished in creation. In John 19, Jesus said he finished the work of redemption. (laughs) And so God and Lord Jesus Christ will finish the entire plan of salvation by inviting the redeemed. How many of the redeemed tonight? Inviting the redeemed into a new creation And God and Christ will proclaim, it is done. It is done. How many know that Satan has been hell-bent, pardon the pun, on stopping that? But he can't win. It is done. God said in that verse, I am the Alpha and the Omega. First and last letters of the Greek alphabet. God also said, I'm the beginning and the end. The same thing that Jesus said earlier in Revelation, where Christ told John about the Alpha and Omega. Folks, our God is the beginning and the end, and he's everything in between. Everything in between. God is sovereign over history, and our God controls everything. He is in charge. But also notice there in verse 6, God promised something there. He said he would give water. And this water would be a gift from the spring 
of the water of life. And God says to John, I'll give it to everyone who is thirsty. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And this water is certainly, above everything else, a symbol of eternal life. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to buy it. We just have to be thirsty for it. And God said, John, I'll give it to you. Look at Revelation 22.1. John says, he, God, showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a place like that? Remember the t- do you remember the time in John 4 when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well? What a story, huh? What a God. And she was amazed that him being a Jewish man would even talk to her. Well, first of all, just being a man talking to a woman that day was unheard of, but especially a Jew and a Samaritan. But he did. I like how the King James puts it, said, I must needs go through Samaria. How many know he didn't have to do anything he didn't want to? But he knew there's a woman there that needed needed what he had. But anyway, look, if you will, in verse 13 and 14, John, chapter 4. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. And God told John in our text tonight, God says, I will give them the water of life freely to anyone who is thirsty. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What a God. And so in those verses we find water pictured, if you will, as salvation. And I'll never get over God's gracious offer to anyone who thirsts. God says, let him come. Let him drink of the water of life freely. Let him come. And what's interesting, we get to the end of the book of Revelation. And we have a picture of water Speaking about reward, a reward of those who have been overcomers. Those who have been victorious. 
May I say tonight it's worth it all? That's why the writer of Hebrews said we've got to run the race, the race with endurance. It's worth it all. Once we drink of this water of life that God offers in heaven, we will no longer have any needs. Because our needs will be completely met by God for the rest of eternity. Thank God for that. The living water. I wish tonight I could stand here and say that everyone is going to heaven, but that's not true. Have you noticed that now in our culture, we can't have losers? They have some kind of contest, everybody gets a ribbon. Right? We're going to live to regret that day. Because in reality, there always will be winners and losers. Revelation 21, verse 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So let me point it out real quick. Verse 7, we have the winners. We have the overcomers. Those who are victorious in their life with God. God says those that overcome are going to inherit, inherit everything. God says that those that overcome, He's going to be their God and we will be His child. How many know we win? We are winners. And not everyone is. Because in verse 8, God speaks about those that are afraid, those that don't believe. Murderers, whoremongers, the list goes on there. They're not going to win, they're going to lose. Because they're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. And God says it's a second death. Now I know that should God tarry, I'm going to die once, but I'll never die twice. <laughs> Jesus took the Jesus did that for me. He paid that so I wouldn't have to. So I look at this and I think about winners and losers and we kind of touched on this this morning. If people go to hell, it's because they choose to go there. Because people are going to make a choice. A choice of whether or not they're going to be a part of the overcomers. Whether or not they're going to be the victorious ones who will inherit all of these blessings. Or they'll make a choice be part of the fearful ones who turn away from God 
and face their doom in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Winners and losers. Losers. Now tonight, I don't want to focus on the losers. I'm a winner. If you're a child of God, you're a winner. And I want to focus on the overcomers, those who are victorious in their walk with Christ. And so those who are overcomers, they are victorious. And they're going to stand firm in the end. And we are going to receive the blessings that God has promised, not just part of them, but every one of them. Because we have been overcomers. We made that choice. One of the things we're going to receive is eating from the tree of life. Revelation 2.7 He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Think about that. I mentioned earlier one of the things that God's grace evident even early on when God drove them out of that garden. He didn't want them to eat the tree of life. He didn't want to live them forever in a state of sin and pain. And by His grace, He drove them out. But I want you to know, in heaven, we'll see the tree of life there again. It will be there Again. So those who listen to, those who obey what the Spirit leads them to do, we are going to be overcomers. We will be victorious. And those who are overcomers will remain faithful to Christ no matter what the cost. And the reward is great. And the angel says to John, those overcomers, those who are victorious, they are going to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He was in the garden, and so was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want to tell you something, and you know it. Adam and Eve made a wrong choice. Because eating from the tree of life is going to bring eternal life with God. Eating from the tree of the good of knowledge is going to bring about, and it did bring about, the ability to tell the difference between good and evil. And they chose evil. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, they disobeyed the command of God. And because of that, they were expelled from the garden and barred from eating the tree of life. But my friend, one of these days, the former things will pass away. Eventually, evil is going to be destroyed completely. And I I want to remind you tonight, there is not enough legislation in our world 
to get rid of evil. But God can, and He will. And so eventually, every bit of evil will be gone. It'll be destroyed. And you and I, all believers, from out, from, from every generation, we are going to be ushered into a restored paradise. A restored paradise. And in this new earth, Everyone will eat from the tree of life and we will live forever. Amen. In glorified bodies. And so eating from the tree of life is a wonderful picture of the gift of eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can you imagine with me tonight that in paradise, in heaven, God is going to restore the perfect fellowship that once existed in the Garden of Eden before sin came in and ruined that relationship between God and people. It's going to be restored. So we eat from the tree of life. Another blessing we're going to have, we are going to escape the lake of fire. Look at verse 11, Revelation 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. How many glad for that? Amen. Those who are overcomers. And so whoever it is, whoever overcomes, Whoever is victorious, the Bible says, whoever stands strong and stays strong in the faith, no matter what persecution and suffering they're going through, God says they will not be hurt by the second death. And I read this week that the Greek is a double emphatic, emphatic here, and it literally means they will not be in any way hurt. Not in any way hurt. Now I mentioned earlier, if if the Lord carries, believers and unbelievers will experience physical death. It's a point that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. But I also understand, and the Bible is clear about this, believers and unbelievers all will be resurrected. Death is not the end. But the good news is, because we are children of God, all believers will be resurrected to eternal life with God. Praise His holy name. Eternal life with God. But unbelievers will be resurrected to be punished with a second death. And the worst part of that we share this morning is eternal separation from a holy God. Eternal separation. So he will eat in the tree of life. And will escape escape the second death, the punishment of those who are evil. Another thing we're going to have is hidden manna, a white stone, and a special name. Hidden manna, a white stone, 
and especially in verse 17, Revelation 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone. And in the stone a new name, which no man knoweth, saving or except he that receives it. <laughs> How many know what manna was in the Old Testament? I know, I know you do. How many know that without it, the people would have perished? They'd have never made that journey to the promised land. A journey that should have taken 11 days because of their rebellion and sin took 40 years. But how many know that during that 40 years, the manna never ceased? But you read the story, and when Joshua brings him into the promised land, <laughs> when they first harvested their crops, the manna stopped. For 40 years, God was faithful in giving them physical nourishment. And so I think this hidden manna the angel talks about here in Revelation chapter 2 symbolizes the promises and the blessings that are going to come with the arrival of the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And I want you to realize the same God who provided physical nourishment 40 years in the wilderness is going to provide spiritual nourishment for us for eternity. We are going to eat of the hidden manna. But here's what I want you to understand. And I, I, I don't blame them because we're all human. But how many know the Jews got sick of the manna? Didn't they? And they wanted what? They wanted meat. Amen? I mean, give me bread and meat, I'm happy. I mean, come on. If you sit down and you got meat at the table, what's you using eating? That's my theory anyway. That's why I'm so slim and trim, by the way. But they got sick of it. They complained. And I want you to realize that hidden manna in heaven it's going to satisfy our deepest hunger. We will be satisfied. And those who overcome, those who make up their mind not to revel in the things of this world, we are promised manna that will satisfy our hunger and manna that will bring us blessing for eternity. Thank God for that. But we're also told we'll give, him, give us a white stone. <laughs> it's not clear exactly what that means or what the names on each one will be. And many believe that these stones kind of relate to the hidden manna. And there be more, they might be symbols of, the, of our eternal nourishment, eternal life. 
But I do know that in ancient times, small stones served a lot of purposes. Some were given to the poor to help obtain food, kind of like food stamps. Sometimes these small stones in ancient history were used for invitation to banquets. And it's kind of like buying a ticket nowadays. If you're invited, you bring that stone to show them that you're allowed to be there. But also, on each stone, the name of the one who was invited was inscribed on that stone. Think about that. So for those who refuse to feast at the table of worldliness, you get a place reserved in heaven. A stone with your name on it. You know why? You've been invited. And my friend, there's going to be a banquet like you've never been before. And these stones are significant because the Bible says that it's going to bear a new name of every person who truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know there's a new name written in heaven? And it's mine. It is mine. Let's stand together. Folks, all of this is because of the transforming work of Jesus Christ. Nothing we've done. And this new name is clearly evidence that we have been accepted by God, declared worthy of eternal life. And the great news is, not only does God give us a new name, He gives us a new heart. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And Lord, we praise you for the hope of eternal life, for this new heaven and this new earth. And Lord, I think about what we spoke about tonight. We've only scratched the surface. There's so much we don't understand. But this one, this I know for sure, you will be there and all those who love you tonight. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, Amen.